It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 25th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. And uh, Kyle's here behind the boards tonight. Kyle, thank you for being here. It's good to be here. Looking forward to hearing from you on the program. And looking forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line tonight at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use tonight or anytime to contact us. And then you can also contact us uh, tonight if you're listening to us live in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed. And uh, as we continue, part three of, uh, well, maybe a four-part discussion or five-part discussion. Yeah, yeah. hopefully we can wrap this up. Uh, but uh, we're talking about marriage. We're talk, we've been trying to cover all potential uh, conditions that a person might be in relative to marriage. We talked about never married, newly married, married a long time. What if you've lost a mate in, from, from being married? Last week we started to talk about the very uh, difficult subject of divorce. And we, we're going to continue that this week. Uh it's a very it's a very involved subject. Obviously, it's also a very emotional subject, and uh, uh, people get uh, quite um, excited, I guess, or exercised about discussions of divorce. And we understand that uh, already t- today, Jacob. I received some emails of people wanting to know about specific cases. What what we think the Bible teaches on very detailed s- scenarios of divorce. And we're not going to try to get too much into that tonight because, uh, and if, uh, and we would have to discourage someone from calling in and saying, what about my, uh, third cousin twice removed who married, you know, and, and give all the uh, detailed scenario of that. We just, we won't be able to cover all that potentiality. We want to try to talk about the generalities of what the Word of God says on the subject of divorce because we really think that if we can cover those generalities, they are applicable to any specific scenario that you want to want to call out. Fundamentals. You get the fundamentals yeah, yeah, down, then yeah. the rest falls in place. Uh, and so again, uh, you know, we, we do encourage uh, listener input, but again, we, we're not going to be able tonight, and we won't allow the discussion tonight to go into specific cases because we want to cover the, the the general fundamentals first. Uh, then we, we will deal with with some specifics. Okay, all right. So, if you'd like to comment on the gen- general rules tonight, 877-381-4567, then we'll look forward to that discussion, maybe with some specifics later on uh, in a future program. All right, so, we've talked about those who never married, those who are newly married last week, those who'd been married for a long, long time, and uh, those who had been widowed. Now we get into the unfortunate subject of divorce and we talked we started this last week and we talked about the fact that divorce affects a lot of people uh, almost every family I, I, w- I would guess literally every family 
has been touched by this problem, either directly or by uh, some near relative or at least by virtue of someone close, friend, uh, uh, and so forth, uh, because divorce is a, a very prevalent thing in our culture. As we mentioned last week, it didn't used to be so. No. Uh, but it is more and more increasingly uh, experienced by people in our culture. And therefore, that becomes an issue that has to be dealt with when we're talking about uh, spiritual things and about people's relationship to God. We've got to talk about the divorce problem. All right. And so we want to talk about that tonight because we need to understand what God's rules are because God's rules have not changed. Our society's view on it have has changed significantly over time. Not too long ago, we talked, uh, it's been several months ago now, I guess, about how denominations have shifted on this idea. A hundred years ago, most of the mainline denominations would have been against divorce for any cause. Right. And now you probably would have to look long and hard to find a mainline denomination who would condemn who would even touch it who would right. even touch it our our society has shifted religious thinking has shifted in our society but God is God's rules have remained unchanged and so we need to go back to those I think that's right all right earlier today to our update list we sent out some questions we always remind you you can be on that list just send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. Also, uh, be sure to look, uh, if you're not getting our emails and you think you should be on our email update list, look in your spam filter. If you have Gmail, look in your promotions tab, uh, because if you're not getting that in your primary inbox, it, it may be in that promotions tab. And you can change that by dragging the email over to your primary tab, and that will solve that if you've got a Gmail account. Um, we have not purged our mailing list, and so... Uh, if you're not getting if it, it that, if you're not getting it, it's not us, it's you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, earlier today we sent out some questions, and the first one question, Jacob, was just sort of a review of some things we discussed last week to discuss the difference, to explain the difference between being married and being bound. Right. And those are two important words, and and they're not synonymous words. They don't mean exactly the same thing. In a rightful marriage. In a marriage that's right and right with God and God approves, people are both married and bound concerning the same individuals. In other words, a husband and wife are both married and bound, and that's, a, that's the right situation, and that's the situation that God approves. But the scriptures suggest that it's possible for a person to be married to one individual but bound to a different individual, right. and that's a problem. Right. And and the scriptures say that's adultery. When that situation exists, that's adultery. That's not lawful. That's a person having a, a sexual relationship with someone who's not their lawful mate. That's adultery. Right. Uh, and so uh, we need to be sure that we understand that that distinction. And as we pointed out last week, Jacob, I think probably one of the better places to see that is in Romans chapter 7, beginning verse 2. Right. This isn't a concept that you've made up, and this isn't terminology that you've crafted it's a biblical terminology and biblical uh, biblical concept that there are two different things here the marriage and uh the binding yeah exactly right let's read that in romans 7 verse 2 for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth but if the husband be dead she is loosed from the law of her husband so then if while her husband liveth she be married to another man she shall be called an adulteress but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, although she be married to another man. So notice the scenario that Paul describes there. Uh, her husband 
in verse 3, her husband is alive, but she's married to another man. No, she's married to another man. She's bound to her husband so long as he lives. He's still living, verse 3 says, so she's still bound to him. Right. But she's married to another man. Yes. That's that's what that's the terminology that the text uses. She's bound to her husband so long as he lives and he's still li- living so she's bound to her husband. But it says she got married to another man. She's married to another man. And therefore she's called an adulteress because of that situation. So they're not synonymous. The, the marriage and being bound are not synonymous terms. Yeah. A lot of people in our society they would make want to make them synonymous. In, in other words, if you can somehow sever that marriage relationship, then you're free to marry whoever yeah. you want. A lot of people think if, if, if I'm not married anymore, then I'm free. Well, what's wrong? We I'm got a divorce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got a divorce, so I'm not committing adultery if I marry another person. Right. That text says you are if the divorce was not approved by God. Right. right. Uh, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 also. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Paul says, Unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. So she's not supposed to leave. She uh-huh. has no right to leave. This is right. there, there's no there's no cause. There's no reason. There's no allowance that she could leave. He hasn't done anything that would allow her to leave. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she depart, well, she what she do? She did what she wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. She left him. Let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Mm-hmm. Look at that. So she she sought a divorce and got it. She shouldn't have. She did exactly what the text says she wasn't supposed to do, but she did it anyway. What was the outcome? She's unmarried. She's not married. And so last week, as we said, man and woman control this married question. Right. Are you married or are you not? We can control that. Man and woman can Even control. if it's unscriptural. Even if it's unscriptural. Against God's will. And against God's will. But they but you can't control the bond. Right. God controls the bond, and God, God, uh, this woman is still bound to her husband, even though she's not married to him. She's still bound to him because he's still alive, and she's bound in that relationship. Yeah. And so I think those couple of passages really very thoroughly uh, show the difference between being married and being bound. And it's always been my contention that if you don't get that right, you're not going to be ever be able to understand the whole marriage question and marriage divorce question. You've got to be able to see that married and bound are not synonymous terms, and you've got to account for both aspects if you're going to get a right answer to the divorce question. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. So we're laying the groundwork here, the fundamentals, and uh, that's crucial as we want to understand God's will in that he has made a difference between man's part of this relationship and his part of the relationship here, the binding that he does. You can be divorced and unmarried, but still not have a right to be married again, uh, according to God's will. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You can be divorced, you can be unmarried, but you can't get married. Right. If 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 this if you're still bound by the law of God in regards to that first marriage. Okay. All right. Uh, in the chat room, uh, there's some anxiousness. Kevin wants us to get to Matthew 19. We're going to, Kevin, we're going to get there. We're going to get to talk to about exception. Joe's in the chat room. He mentions that, uh, in the history of the church, ancient times, the church never approved any divorce and remarriage until about 700. I don't know about that, Joe. We're going to talk some about 
I know that Joe takes the position that there is no exception for divorce and remarriage. We're gonna we're gonna describe what we believe is the exception in our study tonight, and then hopefully next week we're gonna deal with the question as to uh, the position that some take. I think Joe takes this position that there is no allowed exception for divorce and remarriage. We're we're not gonna deal with that tonight. We're gonna try to deal with that next week, Lord willing. All right, Kevin says divorce used to have a social stigma, but has lost or almost has none. In our society now, very sad. Thank you for that, Kevin. And it is. Um, it, uh, I'm also afraid that many look into God's word for one verse that looks like an exception or a loophole that will allow the behavior they should have, that they would like to have, instead of looking for the whole of God's instruction to us for a satisfying, successful, and godly life. And that does seem to be the approach that many are taking to this subject in in that. Let's find enough that sort of will soothe our conscience and say that it's okay, but let's not dig any deeper than that. Yeah. Let's just sort of look for some way that we can justify it in our minds and without really being des- careful to make sure that we are doing what God approves of. Yeah, and also I think people, if they can find someone that they can identify as a preacher who will sign off on their situation, they think that's all they need to do. Right. Well, I'll tell you, you can find a preacher who will tell you you're okay. Yes, I mean, in any and, relationship you want to have. Yeah, I mean, you, two men married together can find a preacher who will tell them they're okay. Right. Uh, so that's not the test. The test is can can it be established from the Word of God? Is there authority for the marriage yeah. and the Word of God? Reminds me of those people who are looking for teachers with itching ears. And yeah. uh, they, they want those, those ears to be tickled. They want to hear it the way they want to hear it. And if they find somebody, then they'll take it and run with it. Yeah. All right. All right. So again, we we stated as we stated last week, the general rule of God is no divorce. One man, one woman um, for life is God's uh, plan for marriage. Uh, that's the general rule, and the general rule is what God has put together. Let not what man what God has joined together. Let not man put us under yeah. Matthew nineteen six. Right. And let's go to a break, and when we get back, we'll talk about Jesus's law then for those who are married and those who might be the third party. To that relationship. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful, and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here's some quotes worth pondering. 
Sin without repentance always brings punishment, sometimes visibly, sometimes secretly, frequently in this lifetime, but always in eternity. God has given us the freedom to choose, but the consequences of those choices are forever. False brethren can be more dangerous than open enemies. If false teaching goes unchallenged, it breeds confusion and draws more shallow and insincere people into its fold. Preoccupation with self is the enemy of humility. Pride closes the door to spiritual growth. There's something seriously wrong with the person who repeatedly says how much he loves God while he continues to disobey him. It's easy to deceive others, but beware, for you will also begin to deceive yourself. Whatever occupies your thoughts and your schedule is quite likely your God. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, God's law for divorce. It is different than the law in our society. It's different than the law you find in the courts of men, but it is a law that is unchanged, and it is a standard that we need to uphold, and we're talking about that on the program tonight. Yeah, so let's go on to the next part of a question we asked our update list earlier today. Let's break this down into the parties who might be involved in a marriage, divorce, remarriage situation. All right. So it okay. takes two for a marriage, but if you have a remarriage, it would take three. So we need to talk yeah. about three different parties. Yeah. So let's talk first about the man who is married. All right. Uh, Jesus has a law for the man who is married. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 11, he said to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, Jacob, but I don't have any trouble understanding that. I, you know, that's pretty cut and dry. I don't know how you could be much clearer than that. So I've got a wife, mm-hmm. but I put her away, mm-hmm. and I go marry someone else. Right. When I did that, I, co- I commit adultery. That's uh, The Lord defines that as, a, as an adulterous act. All right. So the, the reason being, Jacob, because I'm bound to that first wife. Now, you weren't married to her. So we. Uh, so here's the picture. We were married and bound. Right. We We had it all together. Right. But I decided to divorce her. We got unmarried. We're not right. married anymore. Right. But we're still bound. Right. We're still bound. That's the issue. See, and that's what we were saying. If you don't get that clear, then you're never going to understand the, the 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 Bible answers to divorce and remarriage questions. Right. So we were married and bound, but we decided to get unmarried. I did. I I divorced her. You went to an unmarried court or uh, went to a divorce court. Oh, a divorce court. There you go. And we got unmarried. Yeah. Right. And we got unmarried. We're not married. I'm not married to her anymore, but I'm still bound concerning her. Right. Right. And so the fact that I'm bound concerning my first wife means that when I go marry another one, we get married. We are married. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. He said you're married. Yeah, he says, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another. I'm, I'm married to this other woman. Yeah. But it's adultery. Because I'm still bound concerning the first woman. Yes. You see that? Uh, that see that's it. really not difficult, is it? I see it. it, yeah. All right. All right, now, let's just let's just do that just so that we're being thorough here. Let's talk about the case of a woman. Because the Lord addresses the case of a woman also. Okay. In Mark chapter 10, verse 12, And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Uh, uh, it's, it's just clear. it's just exactly the same, only talking from the other aspect of the wife. Now the, the party's around. Now the wife. So here's a man and woman. They're married and bound, 
They've got they've got a rightful marriage situation, a, a God approved marriage situation. They are both married and bound to one another. But the wife decides she doesn't want to be there anymore. So she ends the marriage. She seeks the divorce. She puts away her husband. Mm-hmm. They're not married anymore. But they're still bound. Yeah. So she goes out and marries another person. Notice. She marries she she gets married to another. Right. Are they married? Yeah, they're married. Yeah. But it's adultery because she's still bound concerning her first husband. Yeah. That's just, you know, and again, uh, uh, Romans chapter 7, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Yeah. Uh, it's just crystal clear. Yep. You uh, have to have help to misunderstand that one. Okay. So now, you know, uh, let's just stop here to make this observation, Jacob. You know, a lot of times when we're talking about divorce and remarriage, people say, oh, man, I sure wish that the word of God was a little clearer on that. You know, uh, how you make that clearer? Right. I, I don't know how you make that clearer. You know, that's that's just straightforward. And I'm going to tell you, the vast majority of divorce situations in the world today, we've already covered. Yeah. Because people got unscripturally divorced. They don't have a right it's to remarry. It's really not a complicated subject for yeah. Yeah. 95% of the divorces, probably. Yeah, right? or more, maybe. Yeah. Now, there gets, there gets to be some difficult questions to answer. We're not denying that. But the application of just what we've talked about right here. If a man, uh, so so we're talking from Mark chapter ten. In Mark chapter ten, uh, verse eleven, whoso, uh, whoso shall put away his wife and marry another commits adultery against her. Okay, and the woman who shall put away her husband and be married to another, she commits adultery. Yeah. Two verses, Mark ten, verses eleven and twelve. If people would just honestly take those passages to heart. That would answer the biggest part of the divorce questions that come up. All right. All right. So we got we got what the the law of Christ is for the man and for the woman. But now, as you said, Jacob, if you're going to have a divorce remarriage situation, that's going to involve at least one more person has to get into this picture. Right. 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 So what about the third party who would enter into this picture? All right. Well, Luke chapter 16, verse 18 would apply. Luke sixteen eighteen says, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. We, we already covered that, right? Yes. Now think about that. If, first it's talking about this man. Here's a man. Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. Well, we already talked about that. We already talked about that part. I got that part, yep. So he's a man, woman. They're married and bound, but he puts away his wife. Yes. And he marries someone else mm-hmm. we already said this and this is just repeating what we already said this is just confirmation of that same conclusion he can, he marries this this other woman but he commits adultery when he does that all right we'll that's, a, that's adultery yes because although he's married to this other woman he's still bound concerning this first woman well there's your third person right there the woman that he married he, so there's one third person there's one third no a whole person well yeah, yeah. Not, not a third of a person yeah, but that, uh, that is person. one person yeah. who who yeah. enters into this scenario right. right so the man divorced his wife right they're still bound mm-hmm. he married this other woman he committed adultery when he did that right. all right? right now it goes on to say whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband commits adultery. 
And so now the the woman who was put away, her husband put her away, didn't have a right to do so. He put her away. The woman, the 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 man, the man married a, another woman. That was adultery. But here's yeah. this woman. She's still bound. Also, he couldn't marry the other woman because he's still bound. But his first wife is still bound also because they should not have divorced. And so now when she marries, she also commits adultery. So anybody who either a man who marries the woman or a woman who marries the man, while they're still bound concerning one another, both of those parties commit adultery. All right. Again, I don't think that's a terribly hard picture to see. And Luke sixteen eighteen, I think, makes it pretty clear. All right. We've got a caller. And uh, caller, if you would identify yourself, uh, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you. My name is Joanne Williams, and I have a question. How can you be sure that a man divorced his wife for sexual immorality? That's a good question. That's a, that's always an issue, Joanne. And and uh, uh, you know, I I think that if you're the person who intends to put away a mate, in other words, you believe your mate's been unfaithful to you, committed sexual immorality, you've got to be very very sure. And you've got to be. Uh, what I usually tell people is. You've got to be sure enough that you can stand before God in judgment and say, I knew absolutely that he was a guilty person when I put him away. Uh, now, what what proof satisfies you, you've got to be sure that that proof will satisfy God, too. I mean, I, you know, some people say, well, you've got to have pictures of them in the very act. I, I don't believe that. But I think you've got to have... Con- compelling evidence that would indicate that there's just not any doubt about it. Sometimes, very often these days, because people have no shame anymore, very often these days people will, will even admit that they have been unfaithful to a mate. And they don't even These days people don't even try to deny it too much anymore. But again, I think you, what, you have to be convinced beyond any reasonable doubt, so convinced that you'd be willing to stand before God in judgment, because ultimately you will stand before God in judgment and say, I was certain. I, I knew without any doubt that he was guilty of immorality. Does that help? Yeah. Uh, not really. Okay. Because I am a single woman, and a few years ago I decided not to even date a man who was divorced. When I find out he's divorced, I have no more interest in him. Because my soul is too important to me I think, to take his word for it. I, I, I commend you for that approach. I think that's a fair approach. I mean, like you say, the, your soul is just absolutely too valuable to take a chance. And and so, you, uh, as you said, here you are a single person, and, you've, and, and you consider marriage to a man who's divorced. And at that point, about all you can do is take his word that he was, that he was innocent uh, at the time of his of his divorce and you don't have any way to prove that or disprove that and so you would be taking a big risk with your soul i commend your approach to that i think you're probably doing the right thing yeah well thanks for calling i have one more question yes sure. go ahead and it's about a vow when you make a vow your wedding vows you say until death do you part well fornication sexual immorality is not death yeah, we're going to talk about the exception. Stay tuned to listen in on the computer because we're going to we're going to get to that exception here in just a few minutes. Where are you calling from okay. tonight, Joanne? Uh, I live in Chester, Virginia. All right. Well, thanks for calling for thanks for calling from Virginia tonight. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good to hear from Joanne. Th- appreciate her calling. And the line is open for you at 877-381-4567. Toll free. Give us a call tonight. All right, so let's let's just summarize because we're almost ready for our mid-hour break, Jacob. But, again, husband puts away his wife and marries another. He commits adulter, adultery. Wife divorces her husband and marries another. She commits adultery. Whoever marries either one of those people, according to Luke 16, 18, Whoever marries either one of those people who have unscripturally divorced from one another commits adultery. So they commit adultery when they married. But that person they married needs to understand they're getting into an adulterous relationship as well. Right. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get a break. We'll get this week's bullet point. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Uh, Sign in the chat room. Comment with other listeners there. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus asked a penetrating question. He said, quote, If you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? That's Matthew 5, verses 46 and 47. The immediate context discusses our treatment of others. It specifically instructs us to do good even to those who have shown themselves to be our enemies. This is a difficult challenge for us all. But the principle of what do you more than others has wide application to all of our service to the Lord. Consider for a moment, what about Bible study? If the only time you open your Bible is an occasional flipping of the pages during the Sunday morning worship service, then we would suggest that you aren't doing anything more than most other people do in our biblically illiterate society. A regular habit of genuine Bible reading and study is rare in our day and time. Are you such a student, or are you only doing what most other folks do? And what about attendance? All the statistics indicate that church attendance is way down in our culture. Few people attend services on a regular basis. Other activities, mostly recreational, keep people away. What about you? Are you different from the majority? Do you conscientiously adjust your schedule so that you can be present all the time? And what about giving? It's common for folks to contribute a few dollars on any given Sunday. Typically, this is money that is left over after personal wants and wishes have been fulfilled. It's not a high-priority budget matter. It's sort of an afterthought to most people. The scriptures teach that our giving, though, ought to be carefully planned and sacrificially offered. Are you doing more than others in regards to your giving? And what about evangelism? We've all heard that no one should discuss politics or religion. But in reality, almost everybody these days will discuss politics Yet religion remains seriously off limits. Do you agree with this common approach? Do you keep your faith to yourself? Or are you willing to let others know where you stand and what you believe? And then what about purity of life? Jesus said, quote, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, verse 8. But the world promotes an entirely different lifestyle. Filthy movies and dirty TV shows, immoral content and pornography on the Internet, sexual sins, drinking alcohol, dancing, gambling, All these are typical among those in the world, and unfortunately among many who call themselves Christians. Are you following the crowd, doing no more and no different from others? Or are you striving to live the pure moral life that the Lord desires? And so the question, what do ye more than others? That's a worthy question for us all to consider. What about your life, your example, your devotion to the Lord? That's this week's bullet point. 
Think about it. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and send us an email, questions at collegeu.com, for we've got a giveaway that you're promoting. Oh, yeah, we, we've got a few bumper stickers that we uh, would be glad to send out to you if you're interested in sticking one in your car. Get a little advertising out there for us for the virtual Bible study. It's a little round oval uh, sticker that just gives the the name and and the uh, Internet address for our program, but we'd be glad to send one to you. It's it's about the shape of those that they they, they put out if you run a marathon or a half marathon. Right. Uh, or like you said last week, Jacob, sometimes uh, country codes are yeah. on these little right. ovals. Well, this is a little oval-shaped uh, uh, decal like that. And if you are interested in one, send us uh, just send us an email, uh, questions at collegeview.com, and and uh, just say uh, send me one of those bumper stickers. But you got to give us your your uh, snail mail address if you're going to do that, so we can get yeah. it in the mail to you. Yeah. So give us a call, uh, give us an email if you'd like one of those. And we do need to let you know that uh, you can. Find us on iTunes. Uh, we're resubmitted to iTunes. Oh, you now our podcast has always been out there. Always been out there, but, but you gotten, couldn't search for it on iTunes. We I got found. knocked off. You used to be able to, and I don't know somehow it went away. We've got that going again. Uh, if, if you can't find it within the next day or so, it should be up there. Yeah, um, but of course you can always go to our web page and find this specific you can add address it manually. Add the yeah, you can manually. madly add it. With the specific address that is there on our webpage. So check it out uh, on iTunes. Check us out at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we look forward to hearing from you anytime. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you contact us. Okay. All right. We're going to go to now the, the controversial part of this. Uh, and there's some folks have been chatting in the chat room who, who are going to take a different view than we do on this question of an exception. We ask what exception, if any, exists to the general rule of no divorce. Okay. But we, we uh, let's make sure we can at least emphasize what we agree about. The general rule is no divorce. That's yes. the general rule. Yes. We believe that there is an exception stated in the Word of God, and we're going to teach it that way tonight. And so those of you who are listening who don't agree with us, please listen to our explanation of, the, of what we believe is the exception. Lord willing, next week we're going to take on the question. We're going to try to answer. Uh, 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 Bill in Texas has sent us an article, 11 Reasons Why There Is No Exception Allowing Divorce and Remarriage. We're going to deal with his 11 reasons next week, Lord willing. I think we can answer that, but we're not going to get into that tonight. And so we're not, we're, there's been some conversation going on in the chat room that we're not trying to deal with because we're going to save that discussion for next week. But we believe that the scriptures teach that there is a an exception that would allow a person to put away their mate and marry another without sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew nineteen nine is obviously a very important verse in this discussion. In Matthew nineteen nine, Jesus said, "Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery." What I think is interesting is that if you leave out that one exception clause, that the phrase, except it be for fornication, if you left that out, Matthew 19.9 reads just like Luke 16.18. Yes. I mean, they're effectively identical. Yeah. It would say, whosoever shall put away his wife and shall marry another commits adultery, and whoso marry her that is put away doth commit adultery. That's, that's the same as Luke 16.18. 
But that exception clause is in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we can't we can't ignore it uh, other than say, well, Matthew's wrong on that. He, 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 Matthew stuck something in there he shouldn't have stuck in. It's in there. Right. Uh, and so the exception is accepted before fornication. Whosoever, so put the exception in there. Whosoever shall marry, excuse me, whosoever shall put away his wife except for fornication. Well, what if it was for fornication? Then that would negate what well, you're about to say. Yeah, then he could marry another and not commit adultery. Right. So uh, basically what we're saying is if we've got this marriage situation, man, woman, married and bound, they're in a rightful marriage relationship, but the woman is found to be guilty of fornication or right. sexual immorality. Right. I, th- I think sexual immorality is probably a little bit too broad of a term. This is more specific. This is this is illicit sexual activity, fornication. Okay. Okay. The man knows this, is able to establish it as being so. He puts her away for that reason. So he now marries another, but because he put his first wife away for that reason... He's not married to her anymore, but he's also not bound by God anymore. And so he's not married. He's not bound. He can get married to another woman, and God will bind him into that marriage relationship. Now he's got a new God-approved relationship in which he's both married and bound to this woman. Right. right? But the woman who was put away for fornication, she can't be married again. She's still bound by the law of God. She's not free to remarry. Whoso marries her that is put away doth commit adultery. She was put away. She was put away for fornication. Actually, I think the word of God teaches that any woman, if we previously discussed, if a woman was put away not for fornication, she can't remarry. Here's a woman who's put away for fornication. She can't remarry. A put away woman can't remarry. Right. Or more generally speaking, a put away person can't remarry. That's the law of God on that. Uh, it seems to me to be very clear. Um, actually, we see a little confirmation of that in another statement of Jesus. This one, this one comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, verse thirty-two. Right. In Matthew five thirty-two, I say to you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery well if you think about this uh again if you left the exception clause out it'd be saying the same thing that mark 10 and luke 16 say right leave the exception clause out whosoever shall put away his wife causes her to commit adultery why would that be well he puts her away so they're not married but she's still bound he's still bound right and so he causes her to commit adultery because when she goes out and finds another man and marries him, she's committed adultery because she's still bound concerning her first husband. Right. All right. We see that. Right. We got but, it. But put the exception clause in there. Whosoever shall put his way his wife saving for the cause of fornication causes her to commit a fornication. Well, now she let's say she did commit a for, she did commit fornication. He puts her away for that. So he doesn't cause her to commit adultery when she remarries. Because she did that to herself right. by being unfaithful to her marriage vows right. initially. And again, whoever would marry her is also going to commit adultery. Uh, so the the two passages that have got to be taken into consideration, Matthew 19.9 and Matthew 5.32, both state an exception. And the exception is this, that if your marriage partner has been sexually unfaithful to you, you can 
put them away for this cause. They can't remarry. Right. But you can if you put them away for that cause. Okay. It seems straightforward. We can't take white out to those uh, statements. They're in there. The exceptions are in there. And so we have to understand what what the uh, Jesus' intent was, that, yeah. that, that that's acceptable. Now, I know that Bill in Texas, I think probably Joe, who's in the chat room, would take exception to that explanation. We're going to try to deal with their, expl- with their exception to that explanation in, in our study next week. But that's the way we see it. Uh, it, it seems straightforward. It, it seems clear that that's what the text teaches. All right. There is an exception that allows a, a, an innocent person who takes action to put away their mate for fornication. There seems clearly to be an exception that allows them to remarry without sin. Let's get on to a question that was uh, submitted by Joanne then when, in her call from Virginia. She says, well, okay, so you say there is that exception, but what about you took an oath when you when you uh, made a vow when you uh, became married that you would be married till death do us part? I wish I had brought in the... Of course, marriage vows are written by men. Right. But, you, but nonetheless, I mean, if you say it, you're bound to it, right? Yeah, you're but engaged. I wish I had brought in the vows that I usually have people recite when when I marry people in a marriage ceremony. Because the vow is more than till death do us part. The vow says, I'll keep myself to you and to you alone. Right. Uh, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in poverty and so forth and so on. There's more to that vow than t- until death do us part. There's other conditions stated in that vow. And part of the conditions that I have them state is that they're going to keep themselves purely to their marriage partner. Right. right. Well, they violated that part of the vow. Yeah. And so that, that therefore, causes the whole thing to collapse. It's not sustainable. Right. It, uh, 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 an agreement requires two parties. And uh, if the other party does not uh, fill their, their part of that uh, obligation, then that frees the other party. Just, I mean... In business, we do it in business. You know, you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a hundred dollars a week, as long as you send me fifty of these parts every week. Right. I promise, I want to send you a hundred dollars a week. Yeah. You got to send me fifty parts made to my specification every right. week. Right. Well, if you don't send me the fifty parts, then I'm not obligated. The, the agreement is over. The, you, you, my, and, and it's not your fault. It's my fault. Yeah. I broke the agreement, not you. Yeah. Right. And so I think that would be the same for the marriage vow. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's right. grab our. Let's grab our uh, last. We do. Break. Kyle has. Kyle came with a phone full of notes tonight. He's well, we, them, uh, uh, you, we, we wouldn't expect any less from our uh, our operator there. He's hey, got Kyle, his, what do you his got? Notes well, are on actually, his phone. most of them was uh, we'll probably deal with next week about uh, getting and breaking down some of the Greek about uh, putting your wife away and just uh, different meanings about uh, which that's I don't know we're going to deal with that next week uh, with the people who have issues with the exception clause about the terminology there. So it's. Yeah, that's going to be an yeah. important discussion so, because, you know, we've had we've had so I've had a long running uh, exchange with Bill in Texas over this, and he's quite adamant about it. And I understand. I mean, he, we we passionately believe what we believe. I'm not I'm not criticizing that. Uh, I haven't ever made any headway with him in dealing with that question. I'm going to we'll try to make our best explanation next week, and if people can't accept it, then they just can't accept it. But we're making it in good faith. It's what we really believe. Okay. All right, we'll get a break. When we come back, we need to talk about, uh, well, there's a concept here that you ask, what does the Bible say about it? And I don't know if I can find anything that the Bible does say about it. Mental 
divorce. What is uh, what does that mean? Mental divorce. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about that, uh, and we'll hopefully take your comments. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 63% of Americans say that gambling is morally acceptable, while only 28% say it's morally wrong. Nearly 8 in 10, 79% of religiously unaffiliated Americans, three-quarters, 75% of white mainline Protestants, and two-thirds, 67% of Catholics say gambling is morally acceptable. That information is via Public Religion Research Institute. The Word of God says in Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about God's law about divorce. Again, it's an unchanging law. Our society's changed and drifted significantly over the years. God has not, and so we need to know what he says on the subject. All right. Now, now we want to go to something that ha- that men have assigned the label mental divorce to a scenario, Jacob. Now, here's let me describe the scenario. So here's here's a man, and he's married to his wife. They've got a scriptural marriage. It's a rightful situation. They are married and bound to one another. But the man divorces his wife. He puts her away. Yes. All right. Now, there's no cause. She has not committed adultery. She's not been unfaithful. She's not committed fornication. He had no rightful reason to put her away, but he did anyway. We've already talked about it. You can do that. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to do it, but you can do it. And you end up being unmarried. She's a put away person. Now, it could be either way. Either she didn't know it, and he had a girlfriend at the time. Right. Or he met a girlfriend later, after he put her away. Right. But subsequent to the divorce happening, sometime later, a year later, two years later, 20 years later, this man takes another woman, either has sexual relations with her or actually marries her. Right. Some have taught that the woman now, the innocent woman who was put away, she can she can now, well, she can't divorce him because they're already divorced. She can't go through a procedure to end the marriage. The marriage's already been ended. Right. And so she just does something mentally in her mind. In her mind, she puts him away because he's now had this other woman. Mm-hmm. She puts him away in her mind. It's a mental divorce because you can't get a literal divorce. They're already divorced. And so in her mind, she puts away the man, and now she can go and remarry. 
And that's the situation that has been identified as mental divorce. Some of our brethren take that view. Uh, there's been several debates, uh, both written and, and in-person debates on that question. We think that that is not scriptural. That is not a right thing. Uh, the idea that that woman could later in her mind put away her husband does not stand. Uh, so here's, here's the way we, uh, we think the Bible teaches this. First of all, if fornication is the cause, the innocent person may put away the guilty party and remarry without committing adultery. That's what we were just talking about yes. a minute ago when we talked about the exception. And so the exception clause, as we understand it, Matthew 19.9, Matthew 5.32, the exception clause allows the innocent party to put away the guilty party. And then that in, the guilty party cannot remarry. The guilty party put away for fornication cannot remarry. Yeah, that's clear. But the and, and I don't uh, I don't know anybody who disputes right, that. Right. But the question is, what about the innocent one? We believe the innocent one can remarry. But it the divorce has to be for that cause. The putting away has to happen for that reason. And so. Um, uh, a man must divorce his wife knowing that she has been sexually unfaithful to him. Or a woman must divorce her husband knowing that he's been sexually unfaithful to her. It must already be established that that is the case when the divorce takes place. Yes. And and you cannot be, if you're put away innocent or guilty, that the, the scriptures have the same outcome that you can't be remarried. Yeah, I think the scriptures, uh, uh, if you want to... Boil it down to simplest terms. The scriptures are teaching us that a put away person, a person who has been put away, cannot remarry. If you were put away and there was no cause, clearly you can't remarry. You're still bound. If you were put away because you were guilty, the scriptures also clear you're still bound. You can't remarry. A put away person can't remarry. I think is is clearly the case. Uh, Um. So. So this idea that you could put away after the fact gets back to your fundamentals there about the marriage and the bond. Um, they're still bound. It would still be bound, but the marriage is no longer there. It'd be impossible to put away someone. You, you can't put away something. You can't end something that's already been it's ended. It's already been ended. Yeah. You're, you're unmarried, right? Because the scriptures even use that terminology. They remain unmarried. You're unmarried. There's no marriage to dissolve. There's no putting away to do. Yeah. And so that mental divorce scenario is not scriptural. The order has to, there's an order of events there that has to, has to happen in the right order. You're married. One partner is guilty of fornication. The innocent one puts the guilty one away and the innocent one may remarry. It, that's the right order of events. That's according to what you've shown there from the scriptures. It can't be this way. We're married. We get divorced, but no, not for a, a scriptural cause. We just don't like each other anymore. We get divorced. Well, we wait out the situation. I'm waiting to see if she takes another man. She's waiting to see if I take another woman. And which other, whichever one of us falls first, you know. Oh, I, I, I lasted longer than she did. She she ended up taking another man. Now I can, in my mind, put her away. I can go get it. it that's not right. That's not scriptural. All right. Okay. You know, years ago, before it became known as mental divorce, folks used to identify that as the waiting game. Mm-hmm. 
You just try to wait each other out. That doesn't work. That's yeah. not a scriptural pattern. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. So the Bible doesn't say anything about this idea. It's a man-invented uh, scheme and simply not supported by the scriptures. All right, so mental divorce. Uh, the Bible doesn't use that terminology. We've had to explain what's meant by that terminology. But clearly the Bible condemns that scenario. Now we need to get on to the fifth question you asked tonight. And this question is becoming increasingly relevant in our society today. And that's, uh, what do you do if you just totally ignored God's law on divorce and remarriage? And now you find yourself in a marriage. You're a divorced person. You're a divorced person. But now you find yourself in another marriage. Yeah, let's talk about that. Before we do that, Jacob, let's talk about the, the, the so-called innocent person in a divorce. You know, I, through the years I've dealt with some people who, you know, their, their mate cheated on them. Right. You know, and, and they ended up having to put away a, a, an unfaithful mate and they feel they, they, they feel real guilty. You know, they they carry around a burden of guilt over right. that. Uh, my advice to them was uh, you don't have to feel guilty about that. You know, no, there's no perfect mates. You know, so someone said, well, I wasn't a perfect husband or I wasn't a perfect wife. And I probably caused my mate to go out and do that. sort. No, nothing that you did could have possibly justified what they did Couldn't justify it. So you know, accept that and just understand it's it's an ugly it's an ugly situation, but you don't necessarily have to beat yourself up over that well, if you're the innocent party. There's also a lot of hand, hand wringing over the how the concept of forgiveness plays into all of this. You know, if I forgive him or her for that that sin, we're going to talk about that's going to be part of our discussion. Part of discussion next week. no doubt, but certainly forgiveness doesn't remove consequences. Right, and I uh, think that's I think that's a truism from the scripture. Forgiveness, you know, if if your if your guilty mate sought your forgiveness, you should forgive them. If 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 they have repented, they you should forgive them. But forgiveness does not always erase all consequences. Yeah, and, right. and that and we'll talk more about that next week. Okay. Okay. So, now, but what about the yeah, guy? Now, now this is important because this is happening all over the place here. Folks are not. Heeding God's instructions on the, the well, the here's the here's the situation, Jacob. Let's say it, let's say it goes like this. Here's a guy, and he was married to this woman. It was a long time ago. They got a divorce. They should. It, it wasn't they were for, teenagers. When it, they was, it wasn't for a scriptural cause. They got a divorce. They didn't maybe didn't even know what the Bible taught on the subject of divorce at the time. They didn't know what they didn't know what the Bible said about anything. Yeah, they just were just living. And in so the, he went out, he went out here and he married another woman. Yeah, but that was twenty years ago. They've been married twenty years ago. They got three kids together. They've uh, gone and settled down now. Yeah. Uh, now he finds out that it was wrong for him to put away his first wife and adultery when he married his second wife. Right. What to do? Right. What to do? Well, adultery is a sin, right? Yes, it is. And and if you're going to be forgiven of any sin, what do you got to do? You have to repent. How to repent? Jesus said, "Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." Luke yep. thirteen three. Yep. And so you got to repent. And repentance may mean, and this is where it gets extremely emotional uh, and very hard. I mean, and you talk about. Uh, tugging at heartstrings, you know. Here, this man, he loves this second wife, and they've got a beautiful family together, and they have a a a, a good life together. You telling me he's going to have to leave that wife 
to be right with God. That I want to tell you now, if, if that's just too hard. Most people would say that's just absolutely too hard. That's asking God would never ask a person to do something like that. A, a loving God would never require that of anyone. I'd have to agree that it is an incredibly hard statement, and it doesn't seem like it's a fair statement. But it doesn't really matter our human think so's on the subject. Uh, if it's an unscriptural relationship, it's an unscriptural relationship, and that relationship needs to end. It's the same teaching that got John's head cut off in Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, you remember John had gotten tangled up mostly with Herod's wife, Herodias, who was Herod's brother's wife. So Herod, had, it says he had married his brother Philip's wife. Yep. Now, she was Philip's wife, but he had married her. That's the, sort of the thing we've been talking about. Right. Okay. But And John said that's not right. But he didn't say, you know, you sh- that when you guys had that big wedding, and it must have been a humdinger of a wedding, if you can imagine. That wedding was a sin. You guys need to repent of that sin of having that wedding. No, he said you need to repent of having her as a wife. Notice what he says here in uh, verse 18 of Matthew, or Mark chapter 6. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. That relationship. He didn't didn't say it's unlawful for you to have married her. It's present tense. Present tense. Having her. Being in that relationship currently is the problem. You've got to get out of that relationship. It it wasn't. Herodias understood the teaching. She knew that she couldn't be married to Herod anymore if Herod listened to John. And he had a tendency to do that. And so she fixed the problem by requesting his head be cut off. Exactly right. All right. You know, I, I know a lot of our listeners will be way ahead of us going to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. You know, the idea that God would never require someone to leave a marriage, especially a marriage where there are children, that that would be too hard and God would never require that. They're not for, people, Anybody who would say that is not familiar with a, an actual historical event recorded in the book of Ezra. Uh, in Ezra chapter 10, beginning verse 10, Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. So what did they done? They married some people they weren't authorized to marry. Yeah. It's not a divorce situation necessarily, but it, the Israelites weren't supposed to marry outside of Israel right. in, in, in the Old Testament times. They had. They had married unauthorized wives. So what do you do? Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, and do his pleasure, and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. And then in verse 44, it says, These had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. All right. And yet God still insisted that they separate themselves from those unauthorized marriages, even in instances where those marriages had produced children. So it's not unreasonable is what you're saying. It's not beyond the the pale to consider the fact that God would expect that. He has in the past, and we believe he ha- he does today as well. <coughs> Repentance means you change. If you're in committing adultery in the relationship you're in now, then the repentance of that sin would be to stop that, to get out of that r- relationship. Exactly right. Now, I mean, now some would say, oh, well, as you said, it's just too hard. It's not reasonable. It's it's, it's okay. <coughs> well, let's just let's be extreme about that. What if I had married another man? Would it be okay for me to just repent of that and stay in that relationship? I, I really love this man. Right. And, and how could and we've God adopted children? And we've even adopted children. What you mean God would demand me to leave this man I love and the children we're right. raising? Right. I think most of those people 
that we're talking oh, about would say, it would yeah, say, yeah, 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 yeah. you got to leave that, but you don't have to leave this woman. What if I'd married three women? Right? And we had children by each of them. And I, I got, we got there, yeah, there's, we got, I'm married to three at the same time. And we got, do I have to get rid of those? Well, what about that? What if I'd married my daughter? You, 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 I mean, you, if you're going to make emotional it, it, arguments, there's no stopping place. Right. But they don't prove anything. Right. Okay. That's right. Right. We're out of time. We are out of time. Next week, we continue the discussion. We hope that you'll be here for that as we talk about some arguments against what we've said tonight. Uh, we'll look about that, to. we're going to try to deal completely and thoroughly with the position that says there is no exception for divorce and remarriage. All right. Kyle, any parting thoughts before we go tonight? That's it. Good, pretty good job tonight. Thank you for being Thanks, here. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle. Thanks for your work. And thank you for everyone for listening tonight. Uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Hope you made it, benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.